Good evening. I am, oh man, I am excited to be here tonight. And um, we are five days into this no mask mandate. Is it awkward for anybody? Liars, just me? Like, <laughs> I feel like, okay, this is how I feel. Saturday, right? I feel like we've been complaining a lot about this mask thing, and then all of a sudden, we don't have to wear them anymore. And I go to the store, and everybody's still wearing their mask, right? I walk in, I'm not wearing, like, our family's not wearing it, right? And I walk in, and I felt like I got dirty looks, right? Like, from everybody that's wearing a mask, like, <gasps> like, ew, you're not wearing your mask? Like, that's how I felt, right? So I, like, put mine on. And then now, even when I go to the store, I put it on because I feel like everybody else is putting it on, right? I want to be courteous. And then, like, halfway through the store, like, pull it down, like, right here, like, around my chin, right? <laughs> and I look around, and I see people that are doing it, and I'm like, oh, I feel you. Like, like you get it. I, I get it. I get it. But it's this, like, weird transition and it's it's kind of awkward but we get to navigate it together and you know they're saying that we're on this other side of the pandemic and so I'm grateful for that and I'm grateful that we get to do this together even if it's a little awkward and even if it's like this like back and forth kind of dance and we don't know what we're doing but it's okay and the reason I like that we get to do it together is because that's kind of like what it is being at church and learning together. We get to learn together. We get to grow together. And so tonight, as I share, um, it has nothing to do with masks, but <laughs> I want to share something that the Lord has been putting on my heart probably for the past few months, something that he is, that I've been wrestling through, that I've been wrestling with him through, that, that he's been wrecking my heart with, actually. And so I want to share it with you. Um, tonight we're going to be in the book of Isaiah. We're going to be in chapter 6. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there, Isaiah chapter 6. If not, no worries, it's going to come up on the screen. And we're going to start right at the top, okay? So before we jump in, let me just explain something to you. This is Isaiah. We, most of us know him as a prophet, right? But this is before he got commissioned to be a prophet. And what's happening here is he gets this vision from the Lord. And so we're going to jump right into that. We're at the top, um, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. Now, I'm, I, I do have to say this. If you listen to Kayla of the radio station, you will hear clips of Francis Chan, who I absolutely adore, um, talk about this. This is a passage that he talks about. And, um, and I just thought it was so cool because I felt like that's what the Lord has been speaking to me. So this might sound super familiar, the scripture, as we go through it, uh, if you've been listening to him on Caleb. But we'll be in verse 1, and it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Again, this is Isaiah speaking. So I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Now I'm going to pause for a second, and I'm going to break it down. You see, King Uzziah, he was a king of the nation of Israel, and he was considered to be one of the good kings. He actually had um, a lot of popularity. A lot of people really liked him, and he did a lot of great things in the military. There's a lot of military advancement under his reign. Now, he reigned over Israel for 52 years from the age of 16, and so he did a lot of things in his time as king. But here's the thing, is that towards the ending, what happened was, is he got prideful. A lot of people knew about King Uzziah outside of the nation of Israel. 
And what happened is he decided one day that he was going to go into the temple and he was going to burn an offering to the Lord. Now, that's not a bad idea, right? Like, okay, I'm going to burn this offering to the Lord, like unto the Lord and all these things. But it wasn't his job. It wasn't his job. He couldn't do that. According to the way the Lord had set up the temple and temple worship, a king was not allowed to burn an offering only the priest. And so when he went into the temple and he burns this offering, because of the holiness of God, he gets struck with leprosy. And he ends up spending the rest of his life as an outcast because of this skin disease. Because back in that day, if you had leprosy, if you had a skin disease, you were outcasted because you were considered unclean. So literally, everybody ignored you. You were on the outskirts of society. And that's what happened to the king. And I want you to keep in mind, because tonight we're talking about God's holiness. Now, as we talk about this, I do want you to know that this is a massive undertaking, this topic, and and we don't have time to fully divulge everything. But I'm going to teach you tonight about one aspect of it, what the Lord has been putting on my heart. And so keep that in mind about King Uzziah, how he died, about bringing this offering to the Lord. And um, so we're going to jump back in. So, so that's King Uzziah. Then Isaiah says, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on the throne. Remember, the king has just died. There is no one to rule the nation of Israel. And so the people are probably very lost and confused because Uzziah's sons are nowhere fit to be kings. And so they're probably wondering who is going to lead our nation. And Isaiah, being part of that nation, is probably wondering the same thing. And he has this vision from the Lord, and he sees the Lord sitting on his throne. And I can imagine that that would be a comfort to him. Because as there is no king on the throne in their nation, the Lord still sits on his throne. Despite what's happening in their nation, God is still in control. He's still sitting on the throne. And I can imagine that that brought some sense of comfort to Isaiah as he saw this vision. Now he says that the train of his robe filled the temple. Kings back in the day, they wore these like elaborate, elegant robes that had these super long trains, okay? Kind of like brides and, you know, like crazy trains on their wedding dresses, right? Now, ladies, if you know anything about that, they're hard to move in, right? They're a little bit restrictive. You can't move in it. And so I imagine a robe of a king is kind of similar, where they have these long trains on their robe, and they can't move very much. And so what do they do? They sit on their throne, because that's what a king does. A king sits on his throne and he rules from the throne. And so when Isaiah says that he sees the Lord sitting on the throne with his robe filling the temple, really when kings had these robes, their trains, what it meant because they couldn't move was I'm too important to work. I'm too important to work. So I'm just going to sit here on my throne and I'm going to rule. And so when he says that he sees the Lord sitting on his throne with his robe filling the temple, this is a statement to the importance and the status of God. Filling the entire temple. Kings, their robes didn't, their trains weren't that long, but here is the Lord sitting on his his throne and his train is taking up the entire temple. 
speaks to his status and his importance as the king, as Lord. Now, in verse 2, it says, Above him were seraphim. This is like where it gets kind of weird, right? And so seraphim, I'm just going to let you know, they are angelic beings. That's what they are. And they have six wings. Okay, each had six wings. Two wings, they covered their faces. And two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. Now, the reason they covered their face and they covered their feet was in humility because they were in the presence of God at his throne, but because of his holiness, they didn't deem themselves worthy to see him face to face, to be in his presence. And so they would cover their face and they would cover their feet because feet in that time were one of the most disgusting body parts because they were so dirty. And so they would cover their face and their feet as they sat on the throne as an act of humility before the Lord. So this is everything that he's seen. Isaiah's seen all of this. He's in the throne of God. He's having this, this vision. He's having this vision of them. Now, we don't know how many seraphim are there in this vision but it says that one called out to another. So guarantee there's two, okay? And so one calls out to another. And he says, holy, 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 Lord almighty. Other translations will say Lord of hosts. It's the whole earth is full of your glory. I'm going to stop right there. Sometimes if you're like me, maybe you're not, but <laughs> if you are like me, sometimes when I read the Old Testament, I can skim through and I can breeze through a lot of it. I breeze through it because I don't understand, because I don't get necessarily, I don't grasp the significance necessarily of what they're saying. Because it was written in such a different culture than the one that we live in today. This use of holy three times, holy, holy, holy. It's only used twice in the Bible. In this instance, in Isaiah chapter 6 and in Revelation, when John has a vision of the throne room, same thing. Angels are bowing down, they're worshiping God, and they're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. In Hebrew, in the Hebrew language, when they repeat something, it emphasizes the intensity of whatever word that they're repeating. And so to say holy, holy, holy speaks to the intensity and the depth of the holiness of God. And sometimes we can breeze right past this when we read the Bible. Because we think we understand. Holy, holy, holy. It's kind of like saying he's, he's not just holy. He's like really, really, really holy. Kind of like if I told you, hey, Brad, it was cold tonight. It was cold. But then if I went and I told you it was like volcano cold. I don't live in volcano. I live here. So like I live in Hilo. <laughs> so I'm like, it is like volcano cold. We went, to, side note, we went to go see the lava 
like months ago. My kids got out of the car and we were like back in the car in like two minutes, right? Like it was so cold. So if I say like it, tonight, like it was cold, but then I say it was volcano cold, right? You see the difference? And then if I were to say, oh man, it's like Mauna Kea cold. Like, you know, on the top when it's like I've never been, but I can on my app when I look, right? And it's like two degrees. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like I can't even handle when it's like 60 degrees in my house, right? And I'm just like, oh my gosh. But do you see the difference in the intensity? I think we can kind of understand that. But the more that I studied about this when, when he says, holy, 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 I felt the Lord say, but you don't understand. You don't. And the reason we don't understand is because in our human mind, in our finite way of thinking, there is no way that we can fully comprehend and understand the holiness of God. There's no way. We can't fully understand and comprehend because as a human my mind is limited no matter how brilliant you are I'm not the smartest there are tons of people that are like way more brilliant than me and even they can't understand or comprehend the fullness of the holiness of God because he's so holy he's so holy this word holy you may have heard this before that it means to be set apart but have you heard this part? That, that holy is morally pure. God is the standard of moral purity. He is the standard of this. That's what holy is. He's the standard of pure. He's the standard of goodness. He's the source of it. Something that our minds cannot fully comprehend because we are human. And so if you're anything like me, when I read this scripture, sometimes, like, yeah, God's holy. Flip the page. Go on to the next verse. Yeah, I get it. He's holy. Like, he's holy. And over these last few months, I felt the Lord say, you don't understand. You don't. As I continue to, to read and, and I try to understand this word holy, I thought about how they worship back in the day. So different than how we do today. Did you know that their worship didn't include music or instruments until David came to play? And so before that, they would bring sacrifices. They would bring animal offerings to the Lord as their act of worship. That's how they would worship. That's how they would come to the temple. Now, I know that we're not going to fully ever understand the magnitude of the holiness of God. Here's some things I want us to catch. Holiness is not a characteristic of God. It's not just an attribute of God. It is the essence of who our God is. It is the essence of who he is. And I'm going to paint us this picture 
of what they used to do in the Old Testament because I think it gives us a little bit of a fuller understanding of his holiness. I'm not literally going to paint. You don't want to see that. Trust me. I don't want to see that. And so, but I will do my best to describe this to you, okay? Now, back in the day when they used to worship, they would go to the temple or the tabernacle. The temple was the permanent place of worship, which we see that Solomon builds, okay? And then it's later rebuilt. But then the tabernacle... This is what they call a portable place of worship. And so when the nation of Israel was on the move, they would pack it up and they would move it to the next place that they were going to camp. And then they would set it up all over again. It was a portable place of worship. Now again, if you're anything like me, when you read through Leviticus and you read through all the specifications that they had, God gave them specifics on how to build the temple and the tabernacle, okay? He gave them specific measurements, and he said, this many cubits high and this many cubits wide. Like, what the heck is a cubit? Like, I don't know, right? And then there he's like, you put this material here and use this when you make this. Like, what the heck is this? So, uh, so of course, I'm like skimming through. But here's why it's important. God gave them specific instructions to build the tabernacle and the temple because it was a replica of heaven. So it had to be built a certain way. They had to use certain tools. Certain people had to be the ones to build it. Right? In the Bible, David had these plans to build a temple for the Lord, and God said, no, you have too much bloodshed on your hands. There is specifics when it came to worship in the temple. Who could go into the temple and who couldn't? Priests were the ones that did the work of the temple, that, that would burn the offerings and would bring all these things. And that's why when King Uzziah died, when he brought his offering and he burned he made his burnt offering it was unauthorized because he was not the priest this is why he got leprosy because there is this holiness when it comes to that there is a sacredness when it came to the temple and to worship and so only the priests were allowed to do it now only the high priest now this guy is in charge of all of the priests and he's in charge of what happens in the temple or in the tabernacle. Only he is allowed into the most holy place, or what they call the holy of holies, which is where the presence of God would reside. And catch this, guys, he was only allowed in there once a year on a very specific day. And he had to do very, very specific things in order to enter that room. We don't have time to go into all of it, but I will tell you this, is he had to cleanse himself. Before he went in to make an offering for everybody else, he had to make an offering for himself. He had to cleanse himself. He would change his clothes. He would wear a robe that had bells on it. And he would tie a rope around his leg. I know this might seem weird, and here's why. As long as people could hear the bells, they knew that he was moving. When they couldn't hear the bells, they knew that he had died. 
Because you see, if he wasn't clean, if he wasn't cleansed, if he hadn't followed to the T the instructions that the Lord had given him before he walked into the holies of ho the holy of holies, he would drop dead. Because that is the holiness of the God that he is going to come in, in the presence of. And so he had to be as holy as he could be as a person. He had to be as clean as he could be as a human before he walked in there. Why did they tie a rope around his leg? Like I said, he was the only one that could enter the Holy of Holies. So if he dropped dead, nobody could go in to get him. They would pull him out. If they didn't hear the bells any longer, they would pull him out. Are you starting to understand the holiness of God? This, this is who he is. They can't enter the temple without doing all these things because they're not clean enough to go before him. Only the high priest could go in. I hope this picture helps you to have a little bit of a fuller understanding as we continue the rest of the scriptures. Remember, the seraphim have cried out, holy, 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 Lord Almighty. They've cried that out. And the temple was filled with his robe and the earth was filled with his glory. That's what the, the word says, right? In verse four, it says, at the sound of their voices, the doorpost and threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Filled with smoke. Smoke was a sign to the people of the presence of God. And so when they cry out, holy, 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 Lord Almighty, and the smoke fills the temple, it was a sign to them that the presence of God was there. And so he's seeing this in his vision, Isaiah. He's seeing this in, the, in his vision, and he says, Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. You can write this in your note. This is your, this is your only point tonight if you're taking notes. His holiness humbles us. His holiness humbles us. When Isaiah, in this vision, was in the presence of God, remember, holy He's set apart. He is morally pure. He is the standard of purity. He is a standard of goodness. And when Isaiah comes into his presence and he sees him, he recognizes his own wretchedness. Because he looks at what is pure. And he knows he is far from it. He knows he is far from that. Now catch this, Isaiah this is right before Isaiah got commissioned to be a prophet. Which means he probably was held in high regard amongst people. People probably saw him as a righteous man. As a godly man. 
And here he is in the presence of God, and he is saying, woe to me, I am a man of unclean lips. He is recognizing that there is this gap between this pure God and him. And then the seraphim comes, and he takes a burning coal from the altar, and he touches Isaiah's lips. Now, this is significant because the lips were a mark of the prophet. And so when the seraphim comes and touches his lips, it signifies, because right after that, signifies who Isaiah is. When Isaiah comes to this place of humility before God, if you continue to read verses 8 and 9, God says, who will I send? And Isaiah says, here I am, send me. In his humility, he serves the Lord. It is when Isaiah recognized who he is in light of God that God said, I'm going to use you. I'm going to cleanse you and I'm going to appoint you as a prophet to my people. You are going to be my mouthpiece to them. In his humility, because his holiness will humble us. We see the same sort of reaction. This is what I spoke on the last time I was here when Peter sees Jesus on the water. Same sort of reaction. When he is in the presence of God, Peter recognizes his wretchedness. Because when we are looking at this pure, pure God, we recognize where we stand in light of that. And no matter, I'm going <laughs> to, I say this to myself, no matter how good I think I am, no matter how, how godly I think I am, I cannot touch his holiness with a 10-foot pole. Because he's so holy. He's so holy. He's so much higher and set apart and pure. Please hear me when I say this next part. This isn't to condemn. This is what the Lord is challenging me with. And I hope that you would see it as a challenge to yourself. But sometimes I think, because we do not worship the way that they did back in the day, because it looks so different for us now, we don't have to bring animal sacrifices and offerings. They did this on the daily, on the weekly. Every month they would do this. And still yet one day a year, someone had to make atonement for their sins. We don't have to do that because of Jesus. We don't. He did it all. We don't have to worry about that. But here is the caution and here is the challenge. Because our access to the Father looks different than it did in the Old Testament, sometimes what I think happens is we lose our understanding of his holiness. 
we can lose that understanding because we don't have to do this every week. I don't have to bring an animal, an unblemished animal. I don't have to find one and bring it to the altar. I don't have to do that on the daily or the weekly. I don't have to because Jesus did it for me. But because of that, sometimes I forget how holy my God is. Because I've made him so tangible to me. I've made him so in a way that I can understand him. And I'm not saying it's bad. We see God as our friend, as our best friend, as our father, as our daddy, as the lover of my soul. And that is amazing because he desires these intimate relationships with us. And that's who he is. But friends, he is also this holy God who when we are in his presence cannot look in, the, in his face because of his holiness and because of our wretchedness. There's still a paradox that we live in. Yes, access to our Father has changed. Thank you, Jesus. But his holiness has not changed. His holiness has not changed. And the way that I approach him with all of my hurt, with all of my frustration, in my pain, in my suffering, in my request before him, in all of that, I have to have the same attitude as Isaiah and come with humility before my holy God. Because he is still holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. There's a crazy dynamic that he can be this holy and this set apart from us, yet he can be so close to us. And I, I don't want to be so focused on this side that I lose sight of his holiness. It has to be both and. Because his holiness is who he is and that has not changed. Even with Jesus, it has not changed his holiness. And we live in that paradox. We have to live in that. can't come to him with all this stuff without recognizing who I am coming to. He is holy. God's been teaching me. And I've noticed I, I, I start to have this righteous <laughs> anger sometimes when I, when I do things or when I see things and I feel like they are not honoring to him because of his holiness because have I made him so tangible to me have I made him in such a way that I can understand who he is and he's so close and that's good but have I forgotten that he is still holy God he's still holy he will always be holy When John, in the book of Revelation, sees the vision, 
the angels of the Lord are doing the same thing, covering their eyes. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. They recognize his holiness. I pray tonight, friends, that this wouldn't be in any way of condemnation, but that you would see it like I see it as a challenge to remember that my God is both close and intimate and desires that relationship with me. But that still doesn't change that he is holy. He is a holy God who sits on his throne. He is the one who parted the seas. He is the one that spoke things to existence, spoke things into existence. He is the one that shut the mouths of lions. He is holy God. his servant and I pray friends that we would have the same attitude as Isaiah that we would allow God's holiness to humble us and that in our humility that we would go and we would serve God and we would serve his people that's what he calls us to do. That's what he called Isaiah to do. Isaiah recognized the holiness of God and where he stood. He recognized it, he acknowledged it, and he said, send me, Lord. In his humility, send me. In his humility, he went and he served God as his mouthpiece. He served people as a prophet. Because he understood. He experienced and saw the holiness of God. And so I pray that we, as a family, that we would recognize that that we would recognize it, that we wouldn't forget his holiness, that just because he's so close and we have such intimate access to our Father, we still wouldn't forget how holy our God is. And that's the beauty of the gospel, isn't it? Here's this holy God. He sits on a throne even come close and yet he desires a relationship with us with us as jacked up as we are I know I'm plenty jacked up so I mean and he desires a relationship with me still that's the beauty of who our God is that's the beauty that dynamic that we live in in his holiness and in his intimacy and so I'm going to pray for us, family, that we would experience that, that we would experience the glory of that paradigm that we live in and that we wouldn't forget, that we would continue to honor him as holy because that's who he is. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much.
holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. You sit on this throne and yet you desire this relationship with us. Thank you. Thank you for Jesus. God, I pray that as your people, that as your children, Lord, that we would honor your holiness, God, that we would be in awe of your holiness, of your majesty. And God, that we would come before you humbly as your people. Humbled by your holiness because even though you are so pure and you are so, man, God, we can't even fathom. Yet you still desire a relationship with us. You still love us. We can still come to you as your kid. We can still come to you broken and hurting. We can still come to you full of our mistakes and our judgment and all the ugliness. We can still come to you. Thank you that you love us. I pray, Lord, that we would be people who are humbled by your holiness and that in our humility that we would serve you and we would serve